Welcome back to D3Football.com's postgame coverage of Stag Bowl 40, won by the University of Mountain Union over the University of St. Thomas 28-10. And I'm Pat Coleman. I'm Keith McMillan. And Keith, welcome back as we uh, talk about the season that was and the championship game that was. Yeah, it was outstanding to have the, this be the first time for Mountain Union. I think that's the big takeaway for me, and, and, and I'm saying that coming up fresh from the post game and standing out there uh, behind uh, Willis Whitefield here at Salem Stadium where all the Mountain Union players are greeting their families for the first time. And these seniors have done this three times, except it's been a sad hug every time. And, and, and it, you know, it's been – I don't want to talk after the game because I'm crushed by losing the national championship. And this time it was all smiles. And uh, it, it was it – was I'm going to say it's like winning for the first time because it was winning for the first time for a lot of these guys, even though they had Mount Union jerseys on and, and Mount Union's won it 11 times. It was the first time for all but two players on that team. And so I feel refreshed as I, – I, I, I guess I'm as happy for them as I would be for any other team here. Um, you know, St. Thomas, the first-time experience, they – took it hard and, and Glenn Caruso made a point in the post game to say he was not satisfied to be here they felt like they failed today they want to they want to feel this pain to drive them to get back here and that's the same thing the Mount Union players who lost the last three years were saying that pain drove them to get back here and, and win this game this time and, and it and makes it all worth it so that's that's an experience of, of a d3 player at the elite level and it's uh it, it, it's kind of came to fruition tonight we have some business we need to conduct throughout the course of this podcast and post-game show. We'll be telling you who we picked as the uh, D3Football.com Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and the Coach of the Year. But one of the other burning questions, and we've talked about it ever since the bracket came out, and now after we've had a little chance to absorb what happened last weekend in Alliance and what happened here, was the championship game played in Alliance, Ohio? Who are you going to vote for number two when the final D3Football.com Top 25 poll comes out? I'll answer both of those questions. The championship game was played here in Salem, and I am voting for Mary Harden-Baylor as the number two team in the poll. So for those of you who have been complaining on Twitter throughout the course of the last half hour or so, I hope you are listening because I specifically invited you in to hear what Keith would say. By the way, I will agree with him. Now, he and I are only two out of the 25 votes. Oh, Frank. Frank, uh, uh, Mary Harden-Baylor or St. Thomas number two? St. Thomas. So there you see, that's the, the kind of opinion you're going to get. You're going to get a pretty split opinion. I would say, you know, we've got eight coaches on the poll. I would say we're going to, all eight are going to vote lockstep that uh, St. Thomas is the number two team in the country. But, you know, there's enough that are going to go either way. It's going to be pretty close. Well, well, I'll tell you this. If you're listening and you haven't filed your vote yet and you're one of our voters, I asked Nick Driscoll. I pulled him aside uh, down there outside the locker room. And as I do every year, ask you know, one of the best players on the championship team, who the best player he faced is. And then I asked him, who's the best team you faced this year? And he said, Mary Harden-Baylor, hands down. And that is why, that's why, first of all, when, when our producer asks, where's Keith? That's where, that's what the answer is. Keith is asking these questions uh, after the news conference. So we get that sort of information out there. But, you know, also, you know, it, it really, when we think about, when we were talking about final poll, in the abstract before knowing how this game would turn out, it really affects you know, the whole top six is kind of in flux depending on who you thought number two was. Sure, there's a very there's a big link between Linfield, Oshkosh, and St. Thomas because you have to order them in, in that three order, the opposite order that I said them, uh, because St. Thomas beat Oshkosh, Oshkosh won at Linfield, and so those three kind of stick together. And then I feel 
Wesley goes where Mary Harden Baylor goes. And so they if Mary can't Harden, be far from them, that's if, for sure. Yeah, if Mary Harden Baylor goes goes up to two on my ballot, I'd probably take Wesley up to two. Although, you know, to Saint, three. To three, I'm sorry. Uh, you, thanks for helping me with the elementary math. <laughs> the, um, you know, the St. Thomas was not blown off the field tonight. And so the, uh, definitely a deserving top five team. If somebody says they're the number two team in the country because they earned their way here, I wouldn't argue with them if, if that's what they want to do. You know, that's part of the deal of having 25 voters on the poll. You, you get a mix of opinions. Uh, personally, you know, if the bracket had been set up differently, I, I would not have been surprised at all to see Mary Harden Baylor here in Salem. Do I feel like they were robbed of an opportunity to, to be in Salem? I, I wouldn't say that because they, they – they had their opportunity in their grasp in alliance uh, with a two-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, and they let that go. So you don't – if you're listening and, you, and you're a big crew fan, don't blame the, the, the bracket maker for that. You know, you, it wasn't perfect. It should have been – probably should have separated the two teams. Clearly, after the way it played out, those were the two best teams in the country. Which we, you know, 25 of our voters and 42 of the coaches' poll voters already knew. Well, we already that was our opinion, but you still got to see it happen on the field. And uh, certainly it, it, it would have been better to, to or it would, it would have left us with a, with I was going to say it would, it would answer the unanswered question, but it's, it's still been answered because uh, Mary Harden Baylor you know, played Mount Union. And really, the only question is, if you want to play this game, who would have won between Mary Harden Baylor and St. Thomas and and and. Uh, you know, Linfield and Wesley and all those teams. But, you know, that's what the poll is for. The uh, St. Thomas, I thought, acquitted itself well here tonight. I thought they controlled the game in the second quarter and the, the big part of the third quarter. They had a couple costly penalties and a, a couple key turnovers that, that, uh, that turned this game. But it was a 14-10 game deep into the third quarter. There was a, a chance here down at, at this end near the uh, lockers. Fourth down and four. Mount Union goes for it. Kevin Burke throws a touchdown pass to Chris Denton. That makes it 21-10. At that point in the game, you know, if St. Thomas gets a stop, they have not only all the momentum, but, uh, you know, potentially a chance to take control and take the lead. I, I thought if they would have got more points out of the portion of the game where they controlled the game, it certainly would have been a tighter final score. Yeah, and the portion of the game in which they did not control, namely that second half, uh, Mount Union had 37 plays on offense for 208 yards in that half, and St. Thomas 30 plays for 35 yards. You know, we only talked for so many years. We talked about Larry Karras as being the you know the master of halftime adjustments and all that, and it just kind of became second half for us. But really tonight. Something was done to really change this game around. Well, you, you know, St. Thomas was able to get pressure on Kevin Burke, which he hasn't had to deal with a whole lot this season. And then, and then I thought they couldn't just run, uh, you know, the the read option plays and get six, seven yards of carry out of it like they were getting. Even against Mary Harden Baylor, there were times where they were just, you know, running up the gut, and not it wasn't just on the final play. There were points in that game where where rushing yards were easy for Mount Union to come by, and that was really never the case tonight. Mount Union didn't have any easy points and easy touchdown drives I the first drive the first drive they really took it at him quick pace quick hitter st thomas was a little slow to adjust but after that yeah it was uh, really different but to be honest with you and uh frank and i talked about this earlier but um you know you, you look at that first drive and then you know how easy it was how quickly they scored and then they block a punt later in the quarter and score on that and you had a sense just for a second that the wheels could fall off and this could be a 56 to 3 game well, that, that's, the, you know, that's the feeling we come in with a lot of times with Mountain Union. If they get on you early and the, the other team wilts, you know, and the other team can't deal with it, then you know, the, the game's 
they get away from teams, and, and it happens to great teams, undefeated teams, teams that have won 12, 13 D3 games play Mount Union and can lose by 30, 40, 55 points, and, and it happens, and it's a, it's a terrible way to, to end a season when you won 11 or 12 games and you had, you know, it was probably the best season of your career, and then you go to Mount Union and get drilled, but St. Thomas never let that happen tonight, and, and I thought a big, uh, a big portion of this game, Pat, you mentioned the first drive, Mount Union, Seven plays, 82 yards, took 210 off the clock. Uh, actually had to score that touchdown twice uh, because of a review, and uh, Jake Simon scored it uh, both times, and so they went up 7 nothing. Then uh, they didn't score offensively again until the 104 mark of the third quarter. So they went virtually two quarters of this game. Uh, St. Thomas kept Mount Union off the scoreboard, and that tells you right there that St. Thomas was very much in this game, had a chance to win it, couldn't put the points on the board. It was a uh, – and, and you – you know, when you talk about teams that wilt in the face of Mount Union, you know, we, we've heard so much and, you know, seen, we, we've heard about the heart that, you know, St. Thomas has, you know, in, has had this season. And, um, you know, just kind of the, the injuries and the adversity on the field that they've had to, to go through. They've had so many guys interchange, so many people uh, come in, shuffle in and out of the lineup. It seemed like um, this kind of stems from Caruso not giving up at the end, not willing to concede and and kneel it down. Um, you know that they were not going to uh, they were not going to roll over when they got down early. And you brought up the Elmhurst game uh, when in which they went down 14 nothing and came back to win. But you know, obviously a, a bit of a different situation here, but not a different mentality. No, and, and full disclosure, I'll give Gene McGivern, the SID at St. Thomas, credit for mentioning the Elmhurst game at that point where it was 14-0. But they came back and uh, and won that game 24-17. And, you know, Glenn Caruso's not stupid. He he knows exactly what he's doing when he is giving these speeches to the teams, when he's calling the timeout and he's talking about, about love and, and, and playing for the man next to you. And, and I'm not saying it's a gimmick. I think it's very genuine. But it, it's also – something in he's setting the tone for his program that's something that these guys are going to carry home with you know when he says in the post game we, we failed and this is not you know it's not good enough just to be here he knows what he's doing and that stuff they're going to carry that back to St. Paul and they're going to get right back to work the same way these these Mount Union teams that lost on this field the past three years went back to Alliance and and got back to work and just to illustrate a couple of the ways that that Mount Union gave of themselves to get back here. You know, you had the, the two defensive linemen that switched to offensive line, Chris Favazzo, Jared Modrak. Um, you had Blair Skilleter, who was willing to, willing to play both ways. You had uh, senior running backs that didn't mind sharing carries, TJ Lattimore, Simon, and, and Skilleter. He was a running back and a starting cornerback. He'd been a running back all his life, is, is what Kara said in the post game, and, and was willing to switch to cornerback. So all those things were things that, that – when you lose here in Salem, you take that back, you, you, you reassess your program, but then you use this motivation, use this, this loss as motivation, and it can be cliche, but it can also be something that really drives you to get back here. And, of course, these two teams will drive to get back here next year. You think about the teams that uh, you know, are in, uh, in position or you know, have the potential to get back here next year. Obviously, these two teams have to be uh, at or near the top of the list. Uh, I know you were really uh, enamored with what Linfield has uh, coming back. I, I think losing a senior quarterback might set them back a little bit, but, you know, you uh, we never know until they take the field next year. Um, you know, Wesley loses a quarterback as well, but maybe, you know, they have someone waiting in the wings who's a bit more 
um, McSweeney-like and a bit less, uh, a bit more mobile and a, and a bit less uh, pocket passer. They may, uh, they may actually be better next year. Uh, Mary Harden Baylor might take a step back because Ladero Bailey has been so much of what's been good for them on offense the last couple of years, and Javitz Jones is, you know, the heart of their defense. Um, I think we we can't write off Whitewater obviously after uh, after one bad year, uh, <laughs> bad being seven and three. Pardon me, one uh, disappointing year. Let's say. Um, anybody else that we should be thinking about? I, I think those are the main the main teams. To be quite honest with you, um, you know we've been waiting for North Central to break through for for several years and and it, it hasn't quite happened. So you know maybe maybe it's going to be Elmhurst or Wheaton or somebody else out of that conference. I, I feel like the CCIW. Um, Proves itself pretty well in the playoffs. Um, you know the, the the teams in the in the Mayak and the Wyak, the runner-up teams that uh, that didn't get far this year, are the type of teams that y that you may see reload and, and and take another step next year. The uh, you know Bethel and and Concordia Moorhead, and maybe as far down the, l the list as Augsburg or St. Olaf, uh, those are teams that could win a couple of playoff games next year. But he's talking about the teams that can get to Salem. I think you hit on all of them. I really do like Linfield. Uh, Dom Forrest got injured, I, I believe, in the Oshkosh game. But yep. uh, if not, f you know, if he's back healthy, they have the whole defense back. Um, they do replace a quarterback, but they also get Tyler Steele and Josh Hill, both guys who went out very early this season. Uh, if those guys are both back and healthy, I think Linfield's one of the top three or four teams starting off next year. And Wesley, you mentioned, very, very eager to break through to Salem. They've been on the field with Whitewater, with Mount Union. They've been in some of the games, and uh, they just haven't been able to break through to Salem. And we have, uh, of course, we have not named the D3Football.com uh, postseason awards in their fullest. Frank and Adam and Ryan ran down the All-American teams in the pregame show, and they are on the front page of the site. If you are uh, still looking for those and haven't seen those, go take a look. And But we have the Offensive Player of the Year, the Defensive Player of the Year, and the Coach of the Year left to, uh, left to divvy out here. So, Keith, I know you and I had some of this discussion earlier. I don't think I, I think Offensive Player of the Year was not a particularly difficult decision. The only reason we didn't announce it before the game is because we didn't have a Defensive Player of the Year decision made. But um, unless you want to... Uh, you know, get a December surprise in here. I think we're talking about Nate Wera, the senior quarterback for Wisconsin Oshkosh as the Offensive Player of the Year for 2012. Yeah, and it's really tough if the only game of his you saw this season was the St. Thomas game because we're talking about an outstanding defense in St. Thomas, one that held Mountain Union scoreless for the better part of, of uh, you know, two and a half quarters here, uh, or, or I guess not the better part of two and a half, but the better part of two quarters here uh, at Salem. Um, you know, he played that game with a broken pinky, so I don't think that was quite representative of, of the talent he played with this season and the talent he faced. Uh, Oshkosh, you know, just in the course of their regular season, had, had to go, you know, beat Whitewater, had to play in Wyack, which we regard as, as the, uh, the toughest conference in the country, and then uh, had to go win at Linfield. And, and his play in the second half of some of those games had to go through Bethel in the playoffs. The, the, his play in the second half of those games was, was as good as anybody's in the country. He finished uh, 20, 238 of 366 passing, completed 65% of his passes, threw 30 touchdowns, just five interceptions, uh, averaged 236.5 yards passing a game, but he also ran the ball really well. Uh, 185 carries for 740 yards, 
just a hair under 53 yards a game. Averages four yards a carry. And if you remember, of course, that in college, that sack yardage counts against a quarterback's individual rushing total. Uh, that's even more impressive. You take out that 24 for 169. Someone who can do math could tell you what 161 161 carries and uh, a little bit under 600 yards gets you. That's a pretty impressive number there. Yeah, I mean, I think everything about Nate Ware was impressive, too. I got a chance to meet him uh, during the Gallardi Trophy ceremony. And, uh, you know, nice guy, stand-up guy. I think uh, happy to be there. You know, all those guys, all four of them, Scotty Williams, uh, Luke Heinsohn, and uh, Zach Ottenreib, also very humble. You know, just I don't want to say just happy to be there because it sounds like they, they don't expect that of themselves, but um, humbled by the honor. And, and I'm sure uh, Nate Ware, all that he accomplished this year in bringing Wisconsin Oshkosh, a, basically a perennial doormat for the, for the better part of the past 35 years in the WIAC, uh, bringing them to the, to the national semifinals. And uh, his individual play warrants it, and, and what he's done for the team in, in terms of bringing them up, I think, warrants it as well. Defensive player of the year. This decision was not so easy, and uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure how much tonight helped. We really are down to two players, whether it's Javich Jones, the linebacker, for Mary Harden Baylor or Nick Driscoll, who's last year's Defensive Player of the Year. Keep in mind, uh, he's of course the safety for the Mountain Union Purple Raiders, who I think did pretty well this season. Yeah, well, the, the game that that he stood out to me was the Widener game. Uh, you know, playing well defensively uh, against a quarterback who, who was one of the top quarterbacks in the country against the offense uh, and a wide receiver and Anthony Davis, who who was had given every team in the in the East fits. And, uh, you know, Nick Driscoll had, had a good game against Widener, but the, you know, blocking the two punts and tackling the punter, uh, falling on one of them for a touchdown, that was just take over the game type stuff. And that's a, that's somebody doing that against a 12-0 team and, and helping blow them off the field. That was the game that impressed me most tonight. He made some nice plays tonight. Um, you know, I don't know if this was his best game of the season or, or the best game I saw him play, but, um, but you know, he – he led his team to a championship. He couldn't have been happier when I when I talked to him down there, especially going through the losses the past three years. You know, it, when you look at, uh, oftentimes people look at numbers of defensive guys from Mountain Union and say, how does this guy compare to a guy who's got, you know, 150 tackles or something like that? And you just you get, you got to always take these numbers with a grain of salt. First of all, one, um, he's got guys in front of him who are pretty darn good. Uh, you know, that's a that's a front six who are going to take a lot of tackles away from him. And then, you know. By the middle of the third quarter, oftentimes starters are checked out of the game and you just don't get a chance to rack up a bunch of defensive numbers. So I just look at the last couple of weeks, games in which, you know, the Mountain Union starters on defense had to play the entire game. And last week against Mary Harden Baylor, 19 tackles, 11 of them solo, uh, forced fumble, broke up a pass, half a tackle for loss. And then tonight uh, against St. Thomas, 11 tackles, six of them solo, another half tackle for loss, pair of passes broken up. Those are uh, some pretty good, uh, pretty good performances in some pretty big games. Yeah, you talk about raising your level in the playoffs. 19 tackles against Mary Harden Baylor. You know, all all the punt blocks against Widener. That's a quarter finalist and a semifinalist. You know, Mary Harden Baylor, uh, possibly the number two team, or currently the number two team in the country. Right. Having uh having 19 tackles against them, that's certainly raising your level of play when the the competition gets better. And uh, you know, for Nick Driscoll, the 90 tackles led Mount Union. And let's not forget the portion of the season for Mount Union, the defense that he led, where they had six consecutive shutouts, if not for a fourth-quarter touchdown in the opener against Franklin. They went seven games giving up seven points. Yeah, uh, I can do that math. That's a pretty good average. Um, looking over at uh, Javich Jones, 
135 total tackles, 62 of them solo. Uh, against Mount Union, yeah, 10 tackles all solo. Uh, hard to argue with that. Two games against Wesley, in which he had 18 tackles, 8 solo, 10 assisted. And, you know, it, it is so hard for me to kind of wrap my head around the crazy things that happen in offense in the American Southwest Conference this year. There were people throwing the ball all over the lot. I just, you know, there were just some there were some crazy things going on there. Obviously, Mary Harden Baylor gave up a lot more points than Mountain Union did over the course of the season. Uh, they faced a lot of teams that really kind of wholesale sold out on offense. Put you, know, you, you get an opportunity to put your best athletes on one side of the ball or the other, and it seemed oftentimes down in Texas, you know, you got the Big 12 and the Little 12, and the Little 12 was the ASC. Well, yeah, well, you know, just to reference one game, the, the Sol Ross State, you know, Texas Lutheran game where it was, you know, 68-63. I'm not even sure if that was the final. I, th I think they kept scoring after that. But th that's a type of offense that they were dealing with week in and week out down there. So so the total defense numbers for, Mount, for Mary Harden-Baylor don't look that great. And also, you got to remember with them, they were in, in the same boat as Mountain Union. They were so far ahead in a lot of games that, you know, it may be 42-7 in the third quarter and then it ends up being 59-20. Well, you know, that doesn't have a, a lot to do with the first-team defense. Uh, the thing that stands out to me about Javis Jones is that he's such a well-rounded player. Um, the, not just the tackles at linebacker, but the, the interceptions, uh, the sacks, the, the fumble recoveries, the forced fumbles. If there's something that could be done on, on defense, you could ask him to do it. I firmly believe uh, Jones could probably play every position on defense for Mary Harden-Baylor. I mean, maybe not cornerback, mm, maybe defensive tackle. I, I bet he could play some defensive tackle. I mean, he's, he's, he's a strong guy, but he's, he's so fast. He's, uh, he's athletic. The interception against Mary Harden-Baylor, he goes up over his head to get it as he's falling backwards. That's a cornerback type of play uh, coming from, from a guy who, who's sideline to sideline linebacker. Nick Driscoll or Javis Jones? Ah, you're going to make me choose. I, I think I'm going to go with Javis Jones. It's it's uh, not anything against against Nick Driscoll. I think Nick Driscoll uh, out not only is an outstanding player, but had an outstanding postseason. He's got plenty of, to be happy about as far as his um, his postgraduate scholarship, championship tonight, and uh, and I thought he had uh, maybe a little. He had more help on his defense. He had some really some other outstanding players um, uh, helping him set the set the marks that they set. You know, as far as uh, Charles Diesel being probably another player who's not far from, from, from being in the mix. You know, you look at the All-American team on defense. Um, Isaiah Scott, the, the interception he had down here tonight, game-changing interception. Um, you know, Fetchko and Orteca are disruptive on, on the, in the, uh, the defensive tackle spot. Um, so, I, you know, he just – Nichols, I like Dallas Nichols. He didn't do a, a whole lot tonight, but there were some games I watched during the season where he was just as active uh, in, in the secondary as Nick Driscoll was. And, and Nick's an outstanding player, and uh, he's already been defensive player of the year once, right? He'll, he'll get over it. I, uh, I am uh, certainly glad to defer to the guy who played Division Three defense to uh, pick the defensive player of the year. Here's another point in, in Jones's favor. Uh, Jarrell Freeman tweeting – saying he, he's watching Javis Jones and saying, I never did some of those things. And, and Jarrell Freeman is somebody who was our defensive player of the year in, in 2007, a linebacker for Mary Harden-Baylor, so played the same exact position as Jones. In and the I, same system. Right, same, same system. So do, and says, I, he's doing things that I can't do, and Jarrell Freeman is currently a linebacker for the Colts in the NFL, top 10 in the NFL in tackles. 
So Javich Jones, senior linebacker from the University of Mary Harden Baylor, is the 2012 D3Football.com Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year. Well, there's an argument that can never be trumped when it comes to Coach of the Year. I took my team to the championship. 15 wins, only one team can do that each season. And what stands out about Larry Karras um, this year, a couple of things. The, the adjustments that he had to make in the second half against Mary Harden Baylor and in the second half here against St. Thomas, facing the number two team and the number four team in the country. The teams played outstanding second halves. And I think this gets overlooked a little bit too. Changed the whole coaching staff this year, just about. Vince Karras was back. He had a couple of the, the older coaches who'd been around uh, stay on the staff, but lost a lot of those young coaches that he'd been grooming over the years. Some of those guys went to, to Toledo with Matt Campbell. Some went to per pursue other things in life. And so Karras uh, had to take on more responsibility this year. But he's, he's, he's a master at knowing exactly how much to do and how much to let the other guys do. And, and I think, you know, the feature that, uh, that Adam Turo wrote this week on, on D3Football.com also told you just about everything you need to know about Larry Karras this year. Um, you know, having fun, enjoying the moment, not letting the, 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 white, the, the, the burn of those whitewater losses take away the fun of the journey to get back here to Salem, whether or not they, uh, they came back here to, to play whitewater or not. So Larry Karras is the 2012 D3Football.com Coach of the Year. The All-America team has been updated on the D3Football.com website. So congratulations to Nate Wera, Javis Jones, and Larry Karras, our three top award getters for the 2012 season. That is the Around the Nation podcast for the uh, final time in the 2012 season sponsored by the city of salem hosts of stag bowl 41 tickets will go on sale sometime next october november something like that. we hope to see you here it was a great crowd here tonight though keith wasn't it it was six thousand uh over six thousand tonight which is which is a good crowd when you consider how far uh, the two fan bases have to travel from Minnesota. Pat said it was about a 20-hour drive from Minnesota. I know you didn't drive from Minnesota yourself. You, you flew from Minnesota. Uh, the, the Ohio folks, about six to seven hours, uh, depending on where you're coming from in Ohio and how much trouble you have to deal with on the old 64, whatever it is, route that you're coming down, cutting through Louisville or, or taking the, the, the way down the Pennsylvania Turnpike to, to, uh, to get down to catch 81. But um, – it is – I don't know how much it had to do with it being St. Thomas's first time. I think a lot of it also – I think some of it had to do with it being St. Thomas's first time. I think some of it had to do with Mount Union fans being hungry. And uh, maybe not seeing Whitewater here was, in their minds, a chance to, to, to come down and feel more confident that they're going to win. Also, the weather, big factor. Indeed. And a, uh, a, great, uh, a great stag bowl, uh, you know, maybe not the – Two best teams, as it turns out. At least Keith and I both agree that way. So, you know, we'll see what the pollsters say. Probably have the poll up for you. I would love to have it on Saturday, but it's likely to be Sunday, the way the final poll goes. Hopefully not all the way into Monday. Um, as usual, at the end of every season, we have a ton of people to thank. And we've had, uh, in my opinion, I think the 2012 D3Football.com season is the best one we've ever had. We've had uh, a great uh, um, you know, slate of writers uh, writing around the region. Um, you know, it, it, including the people who are here tonight. Uh, Adam Turr, who got a little bit of uh, props. You know, not more than what 28 seconds ago or so. Um, 
Tom Haley around the Northeast, Andrew Lovell around the East, Adam writing around the Mid-Atlantic, Brian Lester around the Great Lakes, Kyle Robarts around the South, Kyle, Clyde Hughes around the Midwest, and Jason Gillespie around the West. Uh, we've had, you know, again, we continue to have this great production here in Salem, and it doesn't <coughs> start and end here on Friday night. It, uh, it uh Started in earnest on Wednesday with the Gillardi Trophy ceremony by, uh, you know, produced by Dave McHugh and DMAC Productions, a guy who we have kind of permanently borrowed from D3Hoops.com in uh, in December now over the past few years. Um, Frank Rossi, who mentioned earlier, this is his sixth Stag Bowl now here with us, and the, of course the first one not involving Wisconsin Whitewater, um, but he still got to wear his purple. And uh, Ryan Tips, who moved from a uh, writing role into an editorial role this year. A lot of his uh, contribution was behind the scenes, but as for me, going from, you know, going back to a full-time job after last year doing D3Sports.com full-time for about nine months, let me tell you, uh, would not have gotten uh, nearly as much of this good stuff done without uh, without Ryan's contributions. And then, you know, people who come in and write postseason features for us, uh, Jason Bailey, for example. Am I leaving anybody out uh, I think everybody else that wrote w was a was a regular season writer for us, but uh, Jason Bailey was the one who was the first one on Scotty Williams back in kickoff too. That's you know, right. Not that Scotty had been a bad player, but he said Scotty Williams and Mark Hibben. He said both of those guys from the CCIW uh, were, were All-American level and uh, turned out they, they made the All-American first team. So uh, we salute all the guys that helped us with, with going back to kickoff. And, you know, Sometimes we do s we pull in so many different people and we do so much work and and, and you you wonder is it all worth it? Uh, every time I run into a fan or a coach or somebody and, and says, look, there's no there's nowhere else we can get this stuff, we c th this kind of coverage, you know, we just want somebody to acknowledge the fact that we're playing. You don't even have to tell us how great we are. You know, just just acknowledge that we're out here giving our all and um, e everything from kickoff to now. Uh, really does that and accomplishes that, and I appreciate everybody who pitches in. I always try to keep keep that focus on. Back when Pat, you and I were in school, it was there was an internet, but there wasn't there was barely <laughs> but, but any. We weren't on it. No, you know, <laughs> it, it was a, a, you know a, you could get a score. You might have to wait for the next day's paper. You might get a, a blurb about your game in there, but you know keeping this running having a, a central location for all this stuff and in and, and the steps that we, that are t being taken forward uh, every year you know with the the play of the week videos and and you know people doing d3 reports and uh, and now being able to watch broadcasts from the different sites you know it was it was you know a dozen of the first round games were on video and so if you couldn't make it to one you could watch 12 of them and and that's a, you know sometimes we have to step back and and say wow we really are coming a long way you know we're we're watching our D3 players on Sunday and then we're we're being able to watch them on Saturday and follow them all week on D3Football.com and that 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 a lot it takes a lot of hard work by a lot of people who have full time jobs elsewhere and and we appreciate all of it whether or not we named you just now. And, you know, to all the people who uh, shot games for us this year, the uh, D3Photography.com crew led by Ryan Coleman, all the people who have contributed in other ways. You know, there, there are people who uh, you can contribute even farther behind the scenes to the site and, you know, who just better Division Three football that, uh, you know, have continued to great make great contributions. Thanks to all the people here at the City of Salem, folks, uh, Carrie Harvey Cutter and John Saunders and the uh, uh, the Salem Stadium and Salem Civic Center crew. Thanks to Brad Bankston, J.J. Nekoloff, and Molly Robertson of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference for uh, all their hard work uh, around this uh, around this production as well. 
Um, and to the folks at Stone Station, you guys are on notice. We want you back out here next year, no matter what it takes. We'll help you out, but you need to be out here because this was one fantastic stag bull tailgate, and everybody was asking where you were. So come on back. John Coleman, who I'm not related to, Hal Duff, we miss you guys. You need to be out here in 2013. That's the 2012 season of Division Three football here on D3Football.com. This broadcast of Stag Bowl 40 is a copyrighted broadcast of D3Football.com and intended solely for the private, personal use of our audience. Any other broadcast, rebroadcast, or the use of descriptions and accounts of this game without the express written consent of D3Football.com and the National Collegiate Athletic Association is strictly prohibited. Good night, everybody. <laughs>